Well, thank you, music team, for leading us this morning. So, Shine Kids is dismissed. This is for ages three to kindergarten, but I'm going to put a bit of a plot twist on all those going for Shine Kids. If you are going, if you're in kindergarten, uh, we're going to invite everyone from kindergarten through ages to age, uh, sorry, grade four, and uh, they're going to practice for our Christmas program uh, today. So you can meet in the youth room, kindergarten to grade four in the youth room. And also, if there's any youth who would like to join this group of kids in singing, uh, this is for the Christmas program, you are invited too. So if you are anywhere older than grade four and, uh, you know, before adult, I guess, you're invited to go to the youth room too and help those kids as they prepare for singing on our Christmas program December 17th in our morning worship service. Uh, one thank you, Andrea, for sharing about our conference. Um, we don't talk about the conference a lot, I guess, but uh, we are very much part of a conference. And uh, I, personally, as a pastor, I love being part of the conference. I came from a church where, where we were non-denominational, and to have the support of the conference as a pastor is, a, is, a, is huge. It's, I, I find it so beneficial uh, being able to chat and get to know and work together with this group of pastors is very helpful. All right, let's dive into this this morning. So over the past couple of months, uh, we have been journeying with Jesus and his disciples through specifically part of the Gospel of Luke on this theme of discipleship, disciple-making. Now, on this first part of the journey, the focus has largely been on discovering what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And so this, the journey first begins by accepting the invitation into discipleship. And we saw that with the story of Peter and then with Matthew. And we, as we continued with the disciples on this journey of discipleship, we've explored some of Jesus' teaching. And we learned with them that God, we, we learned what God's kingdom is all about and how it's different from the kingdom of this world. We explored how following Jesus, our life with Christ, is not, it's not just about obeying a bunch of rules. It's a life-giving a life-changing, dynamic relationship with the living God. Following Jesus uh, is not about judging others and looking down on others. It's about loving others, right? And, and even those that we may consider our enemies. As you know, the journey of discipleship following Jesus is not easy. Now, there are so many challenges in life, and we are tempted by all kinds of things to lure us into fear or, or thinking about ourselves. And one of the many reasons that I love the Bible is that it is so honest and raw with so many of its heroes. Now this morning we're going to look at someone whom Jesus describes as one of the godliest people to ever walk this earth. And yet in this story we're going to see him wrestle with something that so many of us encounter throughout our lives at one time or another, sometimes often. That is doubt. So what is doubt? See, doubt is to lack confidence. Uh, doubt is to call into question the truth of something or to be uncertain about something. So what does doubt sound like? Well, let's say you are experiencing struggles at work and you ask yourself, did I make the right career choice or am I in the right job? Or let's say uh, something else you're involved in is not going very well. 
right? Can I really do this? Or perhaps you're experiencing conflict with your spouse, right? Doubt sounds like, like, would things be easier if I wasn't in this relationship? Or am I with the right person? Or perhaps you've been let go from a job, you begin to question your gifts and your abilities. Here's a personal example. Uh, I've been uh, working out at the gym now for, for a few years. It's hard work, it takes lots of time, it costs money every month. And trust me, there have been times, like progress is sometimes very slow. And I've asked myself, is it worth it? Right? Is there, there are no shortage of doubts in our lives. And they creep in. And some of these doubts, some can actually be helpful and good. But others, many of them can cause great anxiety. And they can tempt us to fall into despair. Now, some of the doubts that we experience are of the spiritual nature, perhaps many. Does God really exist? Or when you're going through a really low time, does God actually care about me? Because sometimes it just doesn't feel like it. Or when our culture is, is pushing certain agendas, or is the Bible true and reliable? In John Bunyan's book, The Pilgrim's Progress, it's one of the best-selling books of all time, he writes this extensive allegory about a young believer whose name is Christian. And he's traveling from his home village to the celestial city or heaven. And his experiences along the way essentially represent the trials and temptations of every Christian. But the author, he, he included specifically some of his own challenges especially this reoccurring struggle, battle with doubt. Now in one chapter, as Christian, the main character and his traveling companion, Hopeful, are traveling through a certain field, they stop to rest for the night. But they are captured by the giant named Despair. See, he was very clever at naming all of his characters what people are experiencing. And the giant, Despair, he overpowers them and he takes them into his castle called Doubting Castle, where he throws them into a dungeon cell. And over the course of several days, they are beaten by this giant despair, who enjoys making their lives miserable. And he continually reminds them of their hopeless situation. And they are trapped there for many days. And what they discover is that the longer they are stuck in that dungeon in Doubting Castle, the more they feel despair set in. To despair means to lose hope. It means to wallow in that doubt. To feel totally stuck and just unable to get out. And we ask, is there a way out? And if so, what is the way out? How can we be freed from this dungeon of doubt? So it is in a dungeon like this that we find John the Baptist in our passage this morning. Now John the Baptist, he was the last of what we call the Old Testament prophets, even though we find his story in the New Testament. His mission was clear. Prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. And he was born miraculously to Zechariah and Elizabeth in their old age. He was accustomed to the wilderness. And we know he was well-respected by the people. And we read that people came to him from all over to be baptized by him as a sign of repentance. And so from an early age, 
John's parents, they would have taught John about Jesus. John the Baptist, he spoke boldly about Jesus. Listen to these verses. This is what John says about Jesus in the book of John, chapter 1, verses 29 and 30. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said to the crowds around him, he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he is the one I was talking about when I said a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me, even though Jesus was technically born after John. So he's speaking about something very, very significant. But that is a very bold statement that is filled with conviction. That was the kind of man that John was. See, John was a courageous man. He spoke the truth. But this got him in trouble, specifically with King Herod, who did not like it when John criticized him. And so what happened was Herod had John thrown into prison. And by the time we get to this passage, John had likely been in prison for somewhere close to a year already. Let's read what happened. This is uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 18 to 35. I'm going to read from the NLT. Let's start with this first few verses. The disciples of John the Baptist told Je- the disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything that Jesus was doing. And so John, he called for two of these disciples, and he sent them to the Lord to ask him, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we, be, or should we keep looking for someone else? Now we ask, how could someone with such faith and boldness have such questions of doubt? Right, this was John trapped in this dungeon of doubt with the giant despair beating him up. But I love the honesty. I love that he asks the question. See, John, he's likely thinking back to the prophecy in Isaiah, a prophecy that, about the Messiah that Jesus himself quoted about himself in Luke chapter 4, just a few chapters earlier. So this is Luke 4, 18 to 19. Listen to these verses. Jesus says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Okay. But stuck in that dungeon of doubt, that giant despair, the tempter, he keeps reminding John. He keeps accusing John. You're a prisoner. He hasn't set you free yet. Maybe this Jesus, maybe, maybe he's not who you think he is. And so day after day and month after month, the emotional toll wears on John and he begins to doubt. But I love this next part. This is verses 20 to 28. So John's two disciples, they found Jesus. And they said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Catch this. At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. And then he, Jesus, and then he told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, 
the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. In other words, have faith. After John's disciples left, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. This is what Jesus said about John. He says, what kind of man did you go out into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No. People who wear beautiful clothes and live in luxury, they're found in the palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes. And he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer to when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you, of all those who have ever lived, none is greater than John. And even the least person in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. And so I, I really love the response that Jesus gives here. See, first, notice what Jesus does not do. Right? Jesus does not condemn John for asking such a question or for even having this doubt. Doesn't that give us some comfort? Jesus knows John's circumstances. He's not naive to it. He knows John's questions and doubt. They do not come from like, this willful unbelief. But that this doubt is, is stemming from his physical and emotional strain. And he knows John struggling in that dungeon of doubt. And so Jesus responds with, with so much grace. And he points to the tangible signs as evidence he says, tell John about what you've seen and heard, right? Be reminded of the truth. And so then what Jesus does next is just so honoring and affirming. Again, Jesus does not criticize John for his questions of doubt. He doesn't look down on him. This does not discredit him. Rather, Jesus affirms and honors John as a man, a prophet of courage and conviction, whose godly character was exceptional. In these last few verses in this passage, Jesus, he seems to contrast the doubt that John experiences with the willful unbelief of the Pharisees. Verses 29 to 35. When they heard this, all the people, even the tax collectors, agreed that God's way was right, for they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in religious law, they rejected God's plan for them, for they had refused John's baptism. And so this is what Jesus says. To what can I compare the people of this generation, Jesus asked. Can I, how can I describe them? They're like children playing a game in the public square. And they complain to their friends, we played wedding songs and you didn't dance, so we played funeral songs and you didn't weep. For John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread and drinking wine, and you say, well, he's possessed by a demon. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown right by the lives of those who follow it. And what we see here is this major difference between doubt and willful unbelief. See, doubt is honest. Unbelief is stubborn. Doubt is looking 
for the light that it knows exists. But unbelief denies the light and is content to stay in the darkness. And so in John the Baptist, we see genuine doubt that came from a place of of deep physical and emotional strain. And we see specifically in John's case, right, it's honest. He wasn't faking these feelings or questions. He was honest. And he expressed these, these deep and difficult feelings that he, he probably didn't even want to acknowledge he had these. I really doubt he wanted to admit them out loud. But they were real. The Pharisees, on the other hand, well, in them we see this, this willful unbelief. It didn't matter what the signs were. It didn't matter what miracles or healings they saw. They were stubborn. And we know that some of the Pharisees, like Nicodemus, for example, that they began to ask some important questions. Right, that's great. But many of them, they just, they simply refused to believe. And what is so deeply tragic is that they were so close to Jesus and yet so far away. And the truth stood right before their eyes and they rejected it. And what Jesus points out in, in this little illustration about the children playing songs is this truth that the Pharisees, they weren't consistent in their fault-finding. Their hearts were hard. Nothing could persuade them. And so in Mark chapter 9, verses 37 to 43, we find a very interesting story about a man who is wrestling with, with faith and doubt. It's something that I think many of us can rec- uh, identify with. And this man's son, he, he's possessed by an evil spirit. And the disciples, they have been unable to drive out this demon. And so the disciples, and when Jesus finally arrives on the scene, uh, the man, he begs Jesus to heal his son. And he says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. All right, now Jesus replies, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible for the person who believes. And this father, he immediately cries out something that I'm pretty sure many of us can resonate with. He says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And this this is a man who was clearly wrestling with doubts. And I can't imagine, I'm just trying to put myself in in this man's shoes. I can't imagine the long and difficult journey this man would have lived with this demon-possessed son. He had been so beaten down by despair that he had trouble believing that Jesus could be powerful enough or or willing to help his son. But instead of giving up or, or accepting the horrible way it was, he asks Jesus to help him overcome this doubt and confusion. Help me overcome my unbelief. And we see just, we see the gracious response of Jesus as he heals this man's son. Over the course of our journey through these chapters in Luke, uh, we're not going to tackle every passage. But I want to highlight this one because the life of discipleship, this life of following Jesus will include many difficult times. There will be crisis of faith moments. There will be times when you will wrestle with with doubt and that ruthless giant despair. Speaking of that giant despair, let's go back to the Pilgrim's Progress and the story of Christian and his friend Hopeful 
who were trapped in Doting Castle. And so they were trapped there. They were trapped there for many days. And the longer they were stuck in that dungeon of doubt, the more they could feel despair set in. And every day it just felt darker and darker. How could they be freed from this dungeon of doubt? Well, finally, one night, Christian and his friend Hopeful, they're praying for help. And suddenly Christian remembers that when he had come to the cross and his burden of sin had, had fallen off his shoulders into the abyss, he had been given a key called promise. And he had felt so discouraged and defeated that he had forgotten all about it. And he took it from his pocket. And with this glimmer of hope, he slipped it into the, the lock on their cell door. And he turned the key. And sure enough, it opened. And the key opened every locked door that stood in their way to freedom. Finally, they reached the outer gate of the castle. But by this point, the giant despair, he realized they had escaped and he was pursuing them, not wanting them to escape. And Christian, he slid the key into that last lock, but, oh, it was stubborn and difficult to open, as it can be in our own lives. But finally, it gave way, and they ran for their lives to the king's highway. And John Bunyan, in this story, he is revealing with transparency what many, what every honest Christian can acknowledge, a struggle at times with the giant despair in his doubting castle. Now for those who, like the Pharisees, are stuck in, in willful unbelief, like you see the signs, you hear the good news about Jesus, but you just want nothing to do with God. You're not interested in honestly searching. Well, my prayer for you then is that God would soften your heart and that you would come to a place where you can recognize that God-shaped void in your life, that longing you have for something, someone, that you may not yet know exists. And my, that's my hope and my prayer for you. But I want to I speak to those who struggle with doubt, for those who feel themselves trapped in doubting castle, in that dungeon of doubt, if you will. And we see, as we see in the story of John the Baptist, God is not threatened or intimidated by your questions or your feelings of doubt. In fact, God invites them. If they're honestly there, God invites them. Or he invites you to bring them to them, to allow these doubts then to lead you into light, into the truth. So how do we escape doubting castle? Well, we do not escape by heroically killing the giant despair. Or by some, like, super determination to, to get better. No, we escape by reaching again and again for that key called promise. The promises of the Word of God which find all of their fulfillment in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so if you are plagued with, let's say, guilt and doubt whether God has forgiven you, I invite you to combat that doubt with truth. Anchor yourself in the truth. Reach for that key called promise. In 1 John 1 verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us 
from all unrighteousness. God is faithful to forgive. That is a promise in Christ. What, what else causes a person to doubt? Do you, do you question or doubt whether you have done enough good things to be saved? Well, if so, reach for the key of promise and listen to what we read in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by works. Right? So that no one can boast. See, salvation is not about how many good things you've done. It's by grace. It's by trusting in what Jesus has done for you. Are you going through a really difficult time in your life, maybe the most difficult time you've ever experienced in your life, and it just feels like nothing is changing. Well, you are not alone in that struggle. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he went through the same thing. And here's what he writes in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10. Paul writes, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Right, this struggle, we don't know what it is, but this struggle that he was struggling with but he jesus said to me he says my grace is sufficient for you right? my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness and therefore paul says i will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that christ's power may rest on me and that is why for christ's sake i delight in my weaknesses in insults and hardships and persecutions in difficulties for when i am weak then i am strong and what Paul is testifying to is that is by God's strength. His grace is sufficient. Do you question whether God sees or loves you? And this can be tempting, especially when, when you feel alone. But rather than trusting in your feelings, trust in the promise. R listen to these verses in Romans 8, 38 to 39. This is what the Apostle Paul writes he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are loved. You are loved by God so much that God sent His Son into this world to save us. This is the love of God for you. Trust the promises. Trust the truth. Do you question whether or not you are saved? There is a source that is much more trustworthy than our feelings sometimes. The Word of God. The key of promise. And so trust in God's promises. Here, this is Romans 10 verse 9. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. We will be saved based on our confession of Jesus Christ. And so use the key of promise to release you from that dungeon of doubt. Do you doubt whether God is with you as you journey through the struggles and challenges of life? Well, listen to what God tells Moses and Joshua and Gideon and Isaiah and the disciples, and the list goes on. He says, I will be with you. See, we escaped doubting castle with the key of promise. And therefore, I encourage you, invest time in learning this key. Learn the Word of God that finds all of its fulfillment in Christ. Memorize this key. Take the truths of God's Word and post them in places where you feel that doubt set in, the places where you feel vulnerable. And when that giant despair tries to overpower you 
Repel him with this key of truth. The Apostle Paul was a man who lived uh, with great faith. And he suffered greatly uh, through his journey of following Christ. He went through some really low times. He spent plenty of time in prison as well. And I'm pretty sure he was, he was tempted by doubt on more than one occasion. But his faith in Christ, he hinged it on truth. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul hinges the entire truth of the gospel on this one thing. That Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And Paul could anchor his faith in Jesus because Jesus rose from the dead as evidenced by the 500 plus witnesses who testified to this truth. As Jesus says in John 8 verse 32, the truth will set you free. There is one part of the story I want to also recognize yet. One other part. You see, John the Baptist, he knew the scriptures better than most people. And if anyone knew this key of promise, it'd be him, right? And yet he still wrestled with these questions of doubt. And we only know this because he shared them with the people closest to him. And through them, he shared these doubts with Jesus. See, John, he was going through some really dark times being trapped in that dungeon. And he too was caught up in the, in the darkness of doubt, too beat up by this giant despair to see the truth clearly. And he needed someone else to point this truth out to him because he couldn't see it. John needed to be reminded of the truth. And this is so true for, for you and I as well. See, God has designed us to walk with one another in community. We need one another. We need encouragement. We need each other to speak truth and life and grace to each other. We need to be honest and express these doubts to others and then also invite truth in return. And therefore I say to you, don't struggle in that dungeon of doubt alone. Invite others into your struggle and may you experience the grace of God and his help through the people that he will send your way as well. You will notice that scripture does not mention John's disciples ever going back to Jesus with another question. After delivering Jesus' response to John, that was enough. John anchored himself in the truth of who Jesus is. And even though John would later end up being killed in that physical dungeon because of his unwavering faith in Christ, in God, the truth of Jesus set him free from that dungeon of doubt. And he had confidence in our Lord who is our future and hope. I'd like to invite the, the band to come forward. And as they come forward, I'd like to invite you into a time of, of music and prayer. And so as we sing these two closing songs, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to take a step uh, in journeying through this challenge of doubt in your life, whatever your doubt may look like, I invite you, we're going to have a couple of prayer stations up front, we're going to have two up here and also one in the back, and our people would be just delighted uh, to pray with you, right, that God would help you overcome, be released uh, by this burden of doubt and to help you overcome or help you to hold fast to this key of promise. And so while this morning we were talking specifically about this struggle with doubt,
And if you need prayer, if, if you want prayer for, for something else, again, our prayer teams would be delighted to pray for you, whatever your, your request is. And therefore, as the band leads us in these closing songs, I just invite you all to stand. Our prayer teams, I invite you to go to your spots. And uh, we are here to pray for you and journey together with you as disciples of Jesus.